Good morning, everybody. I'd like to ask you to stand with me and open your Bibles to 2 Peter. Chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, the Bible is God's word for us. And it's not a, a confirmation process, it's a transformation process. God wants to transform us in the image of his son and back into the righteousness of who we were meant to be. So let's, let's take a look at 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin reading at verse 3 as we begin to talk last week about the divine nature. His divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us, you and me, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge, and remember this word knowledge is this uh, word we talked about. You know, gnosis in the, in the Bible is, is typically the word for knowledge. This one has the prefix epi on the beginning of it, which means growing towards the knowledge, growing in the knowledge. So uh, through, through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and excellence. So we're supposed to be growing in this, learning in this by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sin. For this very reason, and I'll mark these words, make every effort, make every effort to su supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the word, your word today. Pray you'd let it come alive in us. Help us to capture the truth of your word to walk in the fullness of it. Now, Lord, just convict us where we need to be convicted. Reveal to us where we need revelation. Strengthen us, we ask, Lord, where we need strength. And give us the clarity to understand and clarity to speak today in your word and in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God today. Now, to get a picture of this, I, I always want to remind you, the kingdom of God, it's like, it's like getting a new job, and you go to a new job, you go to a new place where you're going to be employed, and at the beginning they hand you a handbook, and that handbook explains to you how that business works, how you get paid, what the rules are, what you do if you have a complaint, all the steps in the kingdom of that business. Might go to a new country. I've been to countries where as we came into the country or as we were going to the country, they gave us certain warnings and told us the rules here are different. Be careful how you talk here or what you do here because the rules here are different. It's a different kingdom. Whether we have certain freedoms, they don't have those freedoms. When we talk about the kingdom of God, Jesus is inviting us into his kingdom, into his rules. The way things work in his kingdom are different than the way they work 
in a godless secular kingdom. His rules are different than our confusion. We've got to learn to live inside of his kingdom. Now, for that to happen, faith is required. Faith is required. Unaltered faith. Uncompromised faith. Faith for, uh, as, the, as the first influence of our life. Life-altering, decision-guiding, hope-instilling faith is required to have the fullness of life in Jesus and in his kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, when I read the Bible, when I come to church, I like to be encouraged, don't you? It's nice to read a scripture that breathes hope in my life. It's nice to hear a message that, you know, encourages me in life. However, sometimes the only way we can get better is to start with the cold, hard truth. You've got to hear the truth. And the Bible tells us the cold, hard truth about ourselves. And we better understand it if we're going to walk in the fullness of God. So, are you ready to hold on here? We're going to read a portion of the Bible that tells us the card hold truth about ourselves. So, so get ready. It's Romans 3, verse 10. It says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. I want you to hear that. The way to peace, the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Do you know who Paul's talking to? He's talking to you and me. He's describing you. And before you think I'm on some high horse, he's describing me. He, he's saying to us how flawed we are. This is pretty sobering stuff. A person may not like this message and say, you know what? I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go down to the bookstore. I'm going to buy myself a book that says, uh, that says something different. You know, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. I don't need somebody to talk to me like that. But here it is. Plain and simple. The Holy Spirit says it. He says, this is what I'm dealing with when I deal with you guys. When I come to faith, this is my baseline when I come to faith in Jesus. This is the beginning point. This is who I see myself and who we see ourselves as. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, not no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have all, they, they have become worthless. There is no one who understands and no one who does good, not even one. Wow, that is pretty harsh stuff, isn't it? 
Yet in the middle of that, by God, God, in his generosity and in his love for us, has given us everything to be changed from that and to live a life of godliness. But we have to see what we come to him with. We come to him with, listen, nothing good. Now, that, that can get you upset, and you can say, I'm getting out of here, and I'm going to go you know, get myself a self-help book that says, you're okay, I'm okay, you're a winner, I'm a winner, you're smart, I'm smart, we're all smart. But the Creator says, no, you're not. You're worthless. Now, before you really get upset and say, I don't like being talked to like this, let me put the icing on the cake and really push you over the edge. Are you ready? Not only does God say to us, are you worthless? He says, you know those little babies you put in the nursery today and those little kids that are growing up? When they grow up, they're going to be just like you. Worthless. Not seeking after God. Not knowing the way to peace. Vile on their lips. They're going to be just the same way. To be changed from that, to find the life and godliness God has for us, faith is required. Unaltered faith. Uncompromising faith. Faith as first in our life in making decisions. Number one influence, life-altering, decision-guiding, hope-instilling faith. Faith is required to have the fullness of God and the fullness of life in Jesus. We have to come to Jesus in faith, trusting what he says and putting our full trust in him. What this, uh, what this means when we say everything, it, it means this. Because remember, there's no good in us, nothing good. We're worthless. We don't know the way to peace. We don't know the way to righteousness. We don't know it. So here's what God's saying. He's saying, don't trust your feelings. This is one of the places where sometimes, you know, people who are, say they're Christians or maybe are Christians because they put their faith in God, really show their, their ignorance of the Word of God. Because you'll hear somebody say, well, you know, it just felt right. What you do? It just felt right. Felt like the right thing to do. I, my feelings say, I, I feel led to do this. I feel like I should do this. And they're saying something that's absolutely unbiblical. And they're justifying it by their feelings when God has told us we don't feel right. Our feelings are broken. We can't trust our feelings. We've got to put our faith in him. Well, it just feels right to date that guy. It just feels right to do this. It just feels right to take that job. It just feels right to, to go here. It just feels right to do this. I, I just feel led to do that. I feel led to do that. And we, we excuse all this stuff away on our feelings when, we're, when God tells us our feelings can't be trusted. Now, it goes on. It says, don't, don't trust your thinking. <laughs> Why did you do that? I, I didn't think I'd get caught. Why'd you do that? I didn't think anybody would get hurt. Why'd you do that? I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was right. Because, see, our minds think all sorts of things outside of the balance of the Word of God and the direction of the Word of God. Our minds will mislead us. We can't trust our thinking. God says, don't trust your culture. Don't trust your upbringing. 
I was raised that way. This is the way I was, this is the way we always act. The way we're, don't trust the way you were raised. Don't trust the popular ideas of the day. Don't trust what the talking heads are saying on TV and what the culture is saying to us today. There is none good, no, not one. You can't trust any of it. Can't trust any of it. No, to be a, a full-fledged, successful follower of Christ, to learn how to live in the kingdom of God, faith is required. Unrelenting faith, unaltered faith, uncompromised faith in God. Faith as the first default in my life for every decision. Faith as the number one influence in my life about what I should do. Life-altering faith, decision-guiding faith, hope-instilling faith. Faith is required to, to have the full influence of Jesus in our life and to have everything we need for life and godliness. I set everything else aside and I say, God, what's your way? What's your way? Not what's my way. Now listen, we, we are these great, amazing, beautiful creations of God. Think about what God's done with us. He's given us the ability to think. We can reason and we can think. We have feelings. We have emotions. God's put emotions in us. We can feel and laugh and have joy and have empathy and have love for others. We have self-awareness. We're aware of who we are, of our strengths and our weaknesses. We can be aware. We can serve other people and help people. We can be joyful and bring joy to others. He gifts us and gives us abilities to bring and talents that can show off his, God's creative power and be used to encourage other souls. We can bring life and health to other people. We are these amazing creatures with all these amazing abilities that God has put in us, but we're corrupted. We, we don't see God. We've wandered from his way. And to come back to find everything we need for life and godliness, faith is required. Unrelenting, unaltered, uncompromised faith. Faith as the first action of my life, the number one influence of my life. Life-altering faith. In other words, before I do something, does this match up with what God tells me to do? Decision-guiding faith. Is this how God would guide me? Is this how he'd have me to act and have me to talk? Hope-instilling faith. I don't need to be down. I can trust in God. I can put my faith in him in the worst of circumstances. Faith is required to have the fullness of life in Jesus, to walk in his joy, to walk in his peace, to be a people who are healers instead of people who are corrupt, to be free from the corruption of this world. To find the way of peace. We come to God knowing that as a creation of God, we have become corrupt. Now listen, this is not about hopelessness. You know, I, I have no intention, no desire to pound on you today. And for you to walk out of here depressed and beat up and dejected. Oh, I'm a hopeless, worthless, no good person. No, this is a message about good news. This is a message about great news. Because friends... When we understand that's who we are, there's now hope for us because God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. 
He's given us everything we need to be transformed from that into his divine nature to escape the corruption of this world that come from evil desires that rule within us and to be the full-fledged creation of God that he meant for us to be. This is good news for you and me. God has given us everything we need. He's given us everything we need to restore us to his original beauty that he had for us. God has sent his son Jesus to be the perfect example for us and to be the savior of our souls. And Jesus calls to us and he says to us, everyone, every race, every age, from every background, from every socioeconomic group, from every country in the world, Everyone is welcome. Everyone who calls on my name will be saved. Everyone who looks to me, no matter how far you've fallen short, will be lifted up. My blood is greater than your failings. If you will come to me, you can be formed into a new creature. You can participate in the divine nature. Everyone is welcome. He frees us from the corruption. So there comes this moment in life There has to come this moment when we see Jesus in the excellence of who he is, when we see Jesus in the glory of who he is, when we see the world and we look clearly in the mirror and see who we are and the corruption of of who we are and we lose trust in ourselves, we lose trust in the world, we gain faith in Jesus, we surrender the world, we surrender our backgrounds, we surrender our old way of thinking and we receive Jesus as the Lord of our life and we put our our faith in him and our trust in him and all of his glory and all of his excellence and we say yes to Jesus save me rescue me make me new and Jesus becomes our defense against the corruption of this world but for that to happen faith is required unrelenting faith that stands against all the pressure of the world unaltered faith that that pushes back against all the arguments of my flesh and of the world. Uncompromised faith that doesn't surrender to anything around me that would get me to compromise. Faith first as the number one influence of my life that recognizes everything else is corrupt and only Jesus can be trusted. Life-altering faith that impacts every ounce of who I am. Decision-guiding hope instilling. Faith is required to have the fullness of life in Jesus. Everything hinges on faith. All of my life and future, will I trust him? Will I trust him for my eternity? I say, he's, gonna, he's my Savior. I'm just going to rest in Jesus. Will I, will I trust him and, and, and have faith to cooperate with his work in my life when he convicts me, when he urges me, when he calls me, when his word reveals something to me. Will I have faith to cooperate? <laughs> Will I have faith to let him build into, into the per, in, me into the person that is filled with his nature instead of corruption? Will I trust him? Real life in Jesus starts with total faith. It's essential. Nothing else can happen until I put my faith in him. I can't trust anything but him. This is fundamental. 
It's like a, a car with an empty gas tank. It's not going anyplace until you fill it up with gas. My life isn't going anyplace until I fill my life up with faith in Jesus. Until I say, you know what? I'm not going to trust how I feel. I'm not going to trust what I've been taught. I'm not going to trust what, I, what my culture's told me. I'm not trusting any of that stuff. What does he say? What does he tell me? Faith is required. Unrelenting, unaltered, uncompromised faith. Faith first and foremost. Before everything else, my faith in Jesus is what matters. He is the number one influence. He is life-altering faith, decision-guiding faith, hope-instilling faith. Faith is required to have the fullness of life in Jesus. And listen, friends, faith leads to actions. If I have faith in something, I'm going to do something about it. If I have faith in Jesus, I'm going to act. So what should I act? Well, Peter says it this way. He says, you have faith? Good, good. This is, this is where you begin. This is where you start. This is the beginning of it all. But if you want a life that is meaningful and purposeful, effective and productive, then you've got to add to your faith virtue. Faith is the baseline. But you've got to add to it virtue. The word in the Bible the best, that best describes virtue is, are, are, it's, 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 it's really two words, courage and excellence and moral character. Courage and excellence in moral character. This begins with a person who recognizes who he is or who she is, recognizes their condition, and their heart by faith, as they put their faith in Jesus and they see who he is, their heart begins to beat to do what's right before God. It becomes a desire. It begins to clean up their language. It begins to clean up their conversations. Because they want to be pleasing to God. Everything comes into check. They begin to feel and sense the convicting power of God. It cleans up their moral actions in every way, sexually, verbally. It begins to challenge the attitudes of their life and how they see other people and how they treat authority in their life. Begins to challenge this character. This person be, has this heartbeat and desire to live with an excellence of character. Now, listen, excellence of character. Not, um, you know, pretty good at character. Not okay at character. Not good enough at character. No, this person's heart beats for excellence of character. You know, character issues are issues like honesty. How honest am I? Well, I don't tell any big lies. Just little lies. That's not excellence of character. Excellence of character hates the little lies. Despises the little things that corrupt us. And recognizes that by faith in Jesus, even these little things are corrupting things and of the nature of the world. And wants to get, get them out of their life. 
Things like loyalty, being loyal to people, being good to people who are good to you, being faithful to people and loyal to people in the way you talk about them when they're not around and the way you stand by them as a friend. Loyalty towards people, faithfulness in action, that, that your, your, your word is your bond, what you say, your yes is your yes and your no is your no. Whether you're a person of generosity or a person of greed, steadfastness in life, conversations in life, attitude. Attitude's a moral issue. And we want to think about the big issues like, uh, you know, are we biblically, you know, are we sexually biblical or not? And if we're not, well, that person's immoral. But I'm telling you, an a-, a bad attitude is a bad moral decision. You're impacting other people's lives. You're, you have a bad attitude towards your mom or towards your dad. That's a bad thing. That's a moral decision. You have a bad attitude towards authority, towards teachers at, at school or a boss at work. This is a moral thing. It feels the corruption is the same inside of us. What's my attitude like? How do I approach life? Pride. Bitterness. Hate for people. Unforgiveness. Selfishness. Rebellion. Lust. Plays out in pornography and all sorts of things. Manipulation of people to get your way drunkenness, living sexually unbiblical life, greed, coveting, cheating. All are moral flaws. They're all a part of this old nature that is corrupted by the sinful desires of this world. And when we give into them, we are giving in to a less than virtuous life. We are not living in moral excellence. We are living in corruption. The person of virtue is examining his life continually and growing in moral character. Remember what we talked about at the beginning of the message, this epi, this, this aspect of transitioning toward, growing toward knowledge. And as we grow in these things, we're growing. We want to grow in moral excellence as we grow into the full knowledge of Christ. But the pursuit of virtue is this first thing that comes after our faith, that we have faith in God, we put our trust in Him, and now we begin to pursue having a right moral attitude, having right moral desires, living right morally with our actions, and pursuing this excellence. So it's the desire for the right thing that gets birthed by faith. And then, the other part of the word is courage, the, the courage to do the right thing. Increasing virtue gives us the courage to act. It's the courage to walk away from that which is wrong. It's the courage to say, they'll let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. It's the courage to stand up in front of others who are encouraging a moral failing, who are being rebellious or are being disloyal, who are talking in ways that they shouldn't, and, and to say, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of that. It's the courage to go against the tide, against the flesh, and against the world, and to say, no, the first and foremost influence in my life is going to be who God would have me to be. So let me warn you, virtuous people will sometimes find themselves alone in the crowd. 
with just God next to them and everyone else rejecting them. Because, see, the world isn't always pursuing the morally righteous thing. But the Christian is called to live by faith. Without the desire to be morally excellent and the courage to act on the truth, we will fail. We've, we've, we've got to be, a, we'll never participate in the divine nature until we have this desire to live in the divine nature and the courage to do it. And so when we get to that point and we realize, listen, I am this corrupt individual. I, there's nothing right about this. None of us that are good, but I really want virtue. Then I realize I've got to learn and grow in what virtue is. When you desire to do the right thing, you become open to what is right. For friends, a desire for excellence and the courage to act can simply leave me as a well-meaning, misguided fool. Because on my own, I don't know the way to virtue. I don't know it. Remember what they said in, in Romans? Don't, they don't know the way to peace. They don't know how to get there. That's, and he's talking about us. You don't know how to get there. So we start with this act of faith. We hear about God. We learn about him. We see Jesus in his excellence. We recognize who we are. We put our faith in him. And now we desire to live a virtuous life. He says, add to it virtue. And we start trying to live this virtuous life. And the second thing comes hand in hand with it. We add to our faith virtue, and to virtue we add knowledge. We add knowledge. Now that I'm desiring to live the right way, I've got to make up my mind to live the right way. This is a warning to not think that we're there, but that we're going to try, to try to grow. This is natural. If I want to be virtuous, I want to know the standard. So listen to Second Peter again by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises. I've got to know what those are. I've got to learn them. So that through them I may become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption of the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and, with, and virtue with knowledge. Make every effort. Make every effort. If you want to escape the corrupt nature of, that you have, you've got to put some effort in. You've got a desire to know the places that are different. You've got to be able to really radically look at yourself in the mirror and understand who you are and really powerfully look in the Word of God and understand what the Word of God says about who we are. You've got to put the effort in to know the difference and to grow in it. Understanding my state of corruption, I've got to find a way to learn what is right. I have to add new knowledge, God's revealed knowledge to my life. I have to examine my life in comparison to how God would have me to live. This means in every area of my life. How I talk, how I think, how I feel, how I respond. Every area has to be put under this measurement of the Word of God, and I've got to approach it with 
faith, with trust in him, or I'll never get there. Faith is required. Unrelenting, unaltered, uncompromised faith. First in my life, the number one influence in my life is my faith and my trust in what God says. The, the, the number one life-altering thing in my life is God's Word telling me what to do. How I make decisions comes from what God's Word tells me to do. Hope instilling. Faith is required to have the fullness of life in Jesus. And we are called to make every effort to learn. My desire to do right has to be tied to right knowledge. Jesus did the work to save me. But I have to put the effort in to grow in knowledge. So here we go. Let's look at this real quick. Here we are. God says to us, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you need is yours. So you can escape the corruption of this world. But understand this about yourself. You are corrupt. Not a little bit corrupt. You're totally corrupt. You know, you, 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 there's no one who does good. No, not one. We are worthless. And we come to God, and he says to us, hey, there's good news. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to make you into the creatures that you were meant to be. My mom and dad pastored uh, a little church in the early days of their ministry. They had a Sunday night service, and uh, one Sunday night, uh, as, uh, as they had an altar call, and uh, a lady had come to the altar and was at the altar, weeping at the altar. And a man came over to my dad and said, what are you going to do about that? And dad said, about what? He said, her. What are you going to do about her? And he, he was saying in a tone of, you've got to do something. Get, get, get her out of here or something. And I said, what, what's the problem? Dad was fairly new in town. And uh, the man said to him, said, that is... Uh, she's the town drunk and she's the town prostitute and she's down at the altar of our church. What are you going to do about it? And my dad looked at him and said, uh, well, it sounds to me like the altar is the perfect place for her to be. That's right where she needs to be. That woman stayed there and she understood who she was and she made a surrender of her life to Christ. Years went by Folks moved to another city and, uh, in fact, had come to Springfield by this time and had started Calvary. And one day in the early days of Calvary, they get a telephone call, and it's one of the children of this woman. And uh, the child, the, the, now an, an, an adult, and they just said, hey, we wanted to call you and let you know. We thought you'd want to know. Uh, Mom passed away. And dad said, well, I'm really, really sorry to hear that. He, she goes, no, no, I didn't call to get your sympathy. I called to say thank you for being used of God in her life. He said, Pastor, here's the deal. When we grew up, all the years that we were growing up, we were so ashamed of our mom. We were ashamed of the way she lived. Everybody at school knew who she was. We had nothing because of the way she lived. We were so ashamed of her. We didn't want people to know who our mom was. But then she came to church. And she got saved. 
And because of that, all of us eventually got saved. And because of that, the second half of her life, she said, Pastor, you know, she's been a Sunday school teacher for years. The second half of her life, we couldn't have been more proud of who she was. How does that happen? That happens because of faith. A woman comes to an altar, recognizes who she is, sees who Jesus is, asks Christ in her life, puts her faith in him, and lets her life become transformed by the power of God. And that's available, friend, for every person, for every one of us. And for us to sit back and to think, oh, I'm not as bad as that. No, your actions may not be, the, be that, but we are just as corrupt. Our nature is just as broken. Our minds are just as confused. We just show it in different ways. Sin works its way out in our life in different ways, but it's still the same corrupt nature that we can't fix on our own that can only be fixed by Jesus. And the only way it's going to get fixed is when we come to an altar and we say, I recognize who I am and what I am, and I want everything, everything fixed. But faith is required. Unrelenting faith. Unaltered faith. Uncompromised faith. Faith first above every other influence in my life. Life-altering faith. Decision-guiding faith. Hope-instilling faith. Faith is required to have the fullness of Jesus in our lives. Trusting him. Surrendering to him. Giving to him. It's good news, friend. It's not bad news. It's good news that we can walk out of this door with the fullness of God moving in our life. Today, in just a second, I'm going to have you, in fact, I want you to stand right now and, and right wherever you're at. And maybe today, as we've talked, the Spirit of God has spoken to you about something that's been in your life, something that you know it's not of moral excellence. You know it. The Word of God's been clear. Maybe the Spirit of God has been convicting you for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you've been making excuses and dismissing it and saying to yourself, well, I think the way I'm doing it's okay, and dismissing the conviction of God, or I think I've got this fear, or it feels like what I'm doing is okay to me, but the Word of God's been clear, and the Word of God's been convicting, and even today as you've sat in this place, the Spirit of God has been speaking to you and saying, that's what I'm talking to you about. Maybe just today, you've had the Spirit of God speaking to you. And you know there's some changes that you need to put your faith in God and do it His way and not your way. An attitude, a way of thinking, a way of seeing other people, some moral issue of pride or arrogance, something in life that just needs to be you just need to recognize this isn't, this isn't just a little bit. This is a moral failing. This is a step away from the excellence of who God would have me to be. I'm making an excuse for living away, and there is no excuse, except I'm still living in the corruption of the world. 
As I prayed about this this week and I thought about this this week and as I was studying this week, I, I had this the sense of the Spirit of God speaking in my life that for some of us here today, the way that's going to be broken is for you to recognize what it is. I, I understand God could touch you right where you are and free you from this thing. But sometimes our flesh needs to hear our, hear our will. Our will needs to speak to our flesh and say, you know what, my will, I, I know what you want, flesh, but we're going to follow God. You're going to be submitted. This is why we bow sometimes. This is why we do some things in the flesh. We lift our hands in so that our flesh comes under submission to who God is in our life. And today, for some of us in this room, the way, you, the way you're going to have to break this thing is you're going to need to step out and walk down to this altar and just say, God, I am here to surrender this thing to you. I want to be, I want to live not in moral compromise. I want to live in moral excellence. I want my attitude different. I want my spirit different. I want my, I want the way I see women or see other people different. I want my life to be formed as a virtuous life. A life that honors you. And I know from what you said to me and what you've been with me that that, that is not the way I've been living according to the knowledge of your word. And today, I want to surrender to you. So this morning, if you've got that sense in your spirit, that hunger for something, to be fully God's, to surrender something, then as we sing this song, I just want you to step out and come down around this altar. You may be the only one that comes. This whole altar was filled in first service, but you may be here all by yourself. doesn't matter. Your flesh needs to understand It's not in charge. You're going to live by faith in Jesus. Jesus' name, come right now. Now, I didn't do this in first service, but I I just believe there's somebody here and and you're wrestling right now. I mean, you're just wrestling. You're you're making excuses and the Spirit of God saying, you need to go surrender this. I want to give you that chance. I want you to know God's speaking to you right now. He's talking to you. That, that's, that's not your imagination. You need to come and surrender this thing. So we're going to sing this one more time and give you that chance. To say, I want to escape the corruption. And I want to walk in the fullness of God's divine nature in my life. Sometimes one of the hardest things that we do to get free uh, from some of the corruptions of life is to get free from the things that support those corruptions. You know, that that may mean I've got to get some channels turned off on my TV set. That may mean there's some people I run around with that, wow, for a time I just can't be with them. It might mean there's some places I typically go, I just can't go there anymore. I can't go there. I've got to get free. I've got to lay some things down because these are the things that feed the temptation. And I want to cut that temptation off. I want to stop it. And so if that's you, I just want you to hear that as the Lord is speaking to you. Now here's what I want you to do. Just take your hands. I'm going to ask our prayer teams if you're here to come on down around and just put their hands on people and pray for them. Take your hands right now and just put them in front of you just like this where you can see them. Look at those hands. And, and whatever it is that God's speaking to you about, just see it 
in those hands. And, and right now, we're just going to pray. And I just want you to lift those hands of the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender this to you. Lord, today, we just take these physical steps, Father, to ask for something spiritually to be done. Lord, we want to walk in moral excellence. And so, Father, we lift our hands to you and invite your presence into our life in its fullness. Father, we just pray that as you've given us everything we need for life and godliness, we know that's your spirit living in us. And Father, we pray that whatever this is, an attitude, an action, whatever it is, that Father, from this point forward, that we would walk in the freedom of your spirit. We surrender this to you. We surrender this to you today. And we open our spirit to you to flood into us and give us new life. In Jesus' name we ask. In Jesus' name we ask. And everybody said, amen. Now let me tell you, give you one last instruction. The enemy doesn't give up on us. Thankfully, neither does Jesus. He doesn't give up on us. The enemy comes back and he's trying to work on us. And he's going to come back and try to work on you. You're going to feel these feelings and these things come up and your desire to do them or to act that way or live that way. And I, I just want to remind you, now don't do this if you're driving your car. Pull your car over and stop before you do this. But wherever you are, just do what you did here. Get someplace and say, Lord, my attitude's really not good here. God, I really want to surrender to this thing. God, this is what's going on in me. God, I surrender to you. Give me freedom in this, Lord. You know what? Our battle's not against flesh and blood. Our battle's against powers and principalities. God, we bind this enemy over our lives. We rebuke him over our lives. We ask for your freedom to be over our lives. And we just take authority to ask God to help us and to guide us in all of this. Amen? And, and, and maybe get some accountability in your life from somebody, a friend that you can talk to and say, hey, ask me how I'm doing. The Bible says that we confess our faults one to another. And it's in that confession of our faults that we find healing and freedom. And you go to somebody and say, you know what, I have a real problem. You, know, you go to a buddy and say, no, I don't know about you, but I have a real problem with lust sometimes. Will you, will you be praying for me? Can, will you check up on me every now and then and ask me how I'm doing? You follow up, hey man, I have a bad, I have a bad attitude towards authority. Will you, man, don't don't let me talk bad about authority when I'm around you. Don't don't let me do that. Will you, will you hold me accountable for that? Will you talk to me about that? Will you find new freedom just in the conversation and the prayer? When that thing gets out in the open, the Spirit of God can begin to move freely in your life. It's all I'm embarrassed to say anything. Hey, listen, look around. We all know we're worthless. That, should, that shouldn't surprise any of us to find out that somebody else is not up to speed. None of us are up to speed. Are you getting it? You shouldn't be shocked when I step here and tell you what my sins are. I'm no different than you. I need the grace of God, the, the peace of God in my life. I struggle and fight against the temptations in me just like you do. We all do. But he's given us everything we need for life and godliness.
Hear me. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Yeah. Amen. Bless the Lord. Give him a clap offering, would you? On your notes today, there's some scriptures that if you read them, I think will be a blessing to you. Breathe in the Word of God, and it'll strengthen your life. Let's take a moment and worship Him one more time, and afterwards, uh, Dan will dismiss you. God bless you. Love you all. May His grace be upon you today.